It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. podcast i am jason lee along with my co-host amy donaldson and amy sitting over there and we are today speaking with representative john curtis he's a republican congressman from utah's third district thank you for joining us today congressman it's a delight to be here with you and uh you know we've, we've done a lot of these so as we kind of told you we we want to learn more about you so i mean this this is literally it's, it may be our show but it's 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 yours today <laughs> good so um tell us how did you get you uh you when i met you you were mayor of provo Yes. Yeah. Today, you are an august congressman. <laughs> and, and I don't mind telling you, I miss being mayor. That was a good gig. You know, well, I'm You had some fun. We had a lot of bets. And we had a constituency that had fun, and, and uh, they, Provo just was on a roll. Everything about it was fun. So tell us what would make you. Well, first, let's talk about you personally. Like, who are you? Uh, we understand you've been married for a couple years. Yeah, we were talking before. <laughs> coming up on 37. Yeah. And uh, met my uh, wife in high school here in, in uh, Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. Skyline High School. We just had our Go 40th Eagles. reunion. How great is that? It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. we were, She was my junior prom date. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> there's something to be said for yeah, that. Right? We, we were married four years to the day after that. No, let me. We were engaged four years to the date after that junior prom. Okay. And now we've been married almost 37 years. Uh, I have six children, and that um, won't surprise you. That's uh, the big focus for my wife and I in our lives. Yeah. But quickly changing to grandchildren. Oh, okay. Uh, right. Do you have grandchildren we or some on the way? We have six grandchildren, and we have one on the way. And they are amazing. Their yeah. grandkids are everything people say that they are. <laughs> We're grandparents. Are you, so you we get totally, it. Yes. We totally, we yeah, totally. They're amazing. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. just love them so much better. <laughs> All the fun and none of the work, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, but how did you get to uh, into politics itself? I mean, had you been? Uh, what, did you, what was your career prior to being? Uh, yeah, it's really um, wasn't expected. Wasn't in the the long range planning. Um, I, most recently, before politics, I was a partner in a company that built shooting ranges. Mm-hmm. And it was a fun business. We designed and built and installed shooting ranges all over the world uh, for law enforcement and military. And that was a Provo company. And we had a lot of interactions with the city in Provo. And so I got to know the city a little bit. And and we sold the company right about the time that mayor uh, was coming up for re-election. And I just said, you know what? I think I can do this. I think I'd like to try this. Threw my hat in and uh, won in a very, very tight race that first uh, election. And um, just, then it, from there on, it was just a great experience. And How many years ago was that? I was mayor eight years in Provo. It was 2010 uh, when I took over. And then I am kind of one of those who feels like I want to be ahead a of people getting tired of me. <laughs> <laughs> so politicians and athletes don't do that well. They don't always take that hint, right? They don't. And so <laughs> even though things were going so well – 
I determined that it was time for a new mayor. And so I announced that I was not going to run again for a third term. Mm -hmm. And that was hard on me uh, because I did enjoy it so much. But I I knew that it was the right thing to do Mm -hmm. and uh, started looking for the next thing. I was anxious to get back in the private sector. I'd enjoyed that. I wanted to do that and had kind of a a fun experience with Jason Chaffetz. Uh, There was somebody that wanted me to run. Uh, for his seat. Mm -hmm. And I had no intention or didn't want to do that. And he put up a GoFundMe uh, website and started getting some traction on that. This other person. This other person did. And one night, Jason called me and I looked at the phone and I thought, oh, no, he's going to call and (laughs) ask me what I'm doing. So before he could even say anything, I just said, look, Congressman, I just want you to know I'm not going to run against you. I have no intention. I I didn't have anything to do with this. And he said, well, 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 just a minute. He said, I'm actually not going to be running again. Mm -hmm. And um, I hung up the phone and walked into the next room and, and looked at my wife and said, did you feel the earth move just a little bit? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Because I, I, I took she, me – You caught her donating to your GoFundMe at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my son had. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, we, I, hadn't, I didn't know that I was going to run, but I just felt like it was going to impact me in my life. So did you know at the time that he was going to resign early, though, that it would be kind of a special election situation? Or did you it think it was going to be? It took a while for that to unfold, okay. uh, all of those details. And, uh, so you're thinking but, you have some time. Yeah, and, yeah. And, but they didn't unfold it quickly. And others yeah. were jumping in the race. And I was really one of the last to jump in the race because yeah. I, it was not an easy decision for me. Yeah, to go in. And, and why is that? Was it because it was on a national level or are you just dying to get back there? I was anxious. To, you know, when, when, as much as I love being mayor, yeah. there was a big part of me that looked forward to being out of the spotlight. I'm a, people don't know this. I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy the public, uh, but I also was looking forward to um, being out of that spotlight and um, kind of getting back to uh, the private sector. I'd seen – I'd been close to Congressman Chaffetz because I was mayor and I'd seen what they did and it wasn't necessarily appealing to me. Okay. And so that's why it took me a while to make the decision. Mm-hmm. All right. So, look, we only got about a minute and a half. I, I, have you, as a congressman, it's it's different being on a national level Absolutely. Than, and yeah. being in places. Because when you're the mayor, you literally, you, you know people. And, They're and they neighbors. Know you. Right. That's right. right. They, these, are, these are individuals with faces and names. Right. Ha, has that been a, a pretty big transition going from a place where you kind of Abs- – everybody knows you to – we're in Washington. You're one of what over 400 people. Well, I, you know, that's not been as big as as people might think. But I'll tell you what's been big is the transition from nonpartisan to partisan. Mm-hmm. Mayors get to solve problems, and they get to you know they get to do things that their constituents want them to do. Mm-hmm. And we don't have this two team thing going on, and that's probably been the biggest transition for me. Has it? Uh, it and I, I don't want to get too much into partisanship here. Has it been a negative for you or a positive? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, is it, what's, what's been its uh, impact on you? Well, it took me a while to adjust to it. During the campaign, I was not used to it, and that, that took me a while. I would not spent much time on some of these national issues. I could tell you anything you wanted to know about potholes and <laughs> parks and sewers and police and things. But I hadn't spent a lot of time on things like immigration. And so it took, it took me a while to, to get my feet underneath me in those issues. And lastly, do you feel as though that – more people like you can come along and, and maybe kind of break some of that gridlock? I think we need we need them too. We need more people to run at all levels of government and get involved and participate more. All right. We're going to uh, finish up this segment, come back, and start our policy discussion. You're listening to the Voices of Reason podcast. Today, we're talking to Representative John Curtis, congressman from Utah's 3rd District.
and welcome back to the Voices of Reason podcast. We're having a candidate conversation with Utah Representative John Curtis, Republican from the state's 3rd District. And uh, we learned a little bit about uh, you uh, as you were mayor and now a representative in the House of Representatives, a congressman in the House of Representatives. And um, Amy mentioned that, so when you first got in, you kind of, when you went to Washington, literally you, you jump in with both feet. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. In, the, in the public lands debate. Yeah. Um, I had been in Congress just three weeks when President Trump uh, came to Utah and repealed President Obama's Antiquities Act designation. And that made a lot of people extremely happy. And it made a lot of people um, equally angry. And I was thrown. Lawsuits were flying. Lawsuits yeah. were flying. Yeah. Accusations were flying. And I was, as a three-week congressman, it's in my district. And so I was thrown right into the middle of that. So, I mean, as a person who previously had been able to kind of resolve <laughs> issues, now you're into something that uh, – this is the first time we've had public lands uh, debates in Utah. And this is one that right. became – I think contentious is a fair way to describe it, wouldn't you? They can be and have and, and, and almost always have been. And I put a little asterisk by that because I want to talk about Emory County in a minute after mm-hmm. we talk about Bears Ears because that's a, a better example, I think, of how to do this. But they can be very um, contentious. And, and you talk about teams and lining up on different sides. And, and, um, and unfortunately, people tend to approach, approach these public lands issues with a winner-take-all mentality. Mm-hmm. I win, you lose. I get everything I want. Yeah. You get nothing uh, that you want. Well, in reality, I do believe that there's a, a place to recreate. I believe there's a place to graze. I think there's plenty to preserve and protect. And um, coming together with good minds and, 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 mm-hmm. and making sure that we are preserving and protecting this. And then let's take a look and see where we can graze and and extract. And, and that's the discussion, unfortunately, that's very difficult to have down there. So if it's very difficult to have, like how I remember reading, though, that you co-sponsored or you proposed some changes. And I remember hearing from and I'm pretty plugged into uh, the native community. Yeah. And there was and they're very split on this. This is one situation people like to say the tribes feel this way, or the tribes feel that way. But there's a, people that run the gamut on this. So and and so they're and you're down there talking to them and trying to get right. a sense of what to do. But th- one of the things that I remember them talking about was that it was the first time they felt like they had had this much input or control on basically drafting a proposal or being involved in the draft of a proposal. What what was that process? You're talking about yeah. President Obama's designation no, or, or the bill. The yeah. bill yeah. yeah. So the bill is um l- let me just kind of say for a minute mm-hmm. that the Antiquities Act is about the worst way to deal with these public lands issues, mm-hmm. and it's because it's one-sided. It's it's a person coming in and with this broad swipe saying this is the way it is, and you don't have – the Antiquities Act lacks this public process. It lacks consensus. Sure. And, and so, of course, you're going to make people mad. And the uh, argument is that no one would save anything. You'd never set yeah. any property aside if you had to make everybody happy, right? Well, l- let me talk about Emory yeah. County for just yeah. – we'll, and then sure. we'll come back yeah. to Bears Ears. Emory County has been working for decades. Mm-hmm. And I walked into a process that had been happening for, for many, many years. They've done an, an amazing job of pulling these different stakeholders in and building trust with the different stakeholders and not operating under this winner-take-all philosophy. We've got a building right now with Emory County, and it's – I'm not going to say it's perfect. I'm not going to say everybody's aligned with it, but it's mm-hmm. amazing that ranchers are saying, I see this is good, that, mm-hmm. that outdoor enthusiasts are saying, I see this is good, environmentalists are saying, oh, I see this is good. And if anybody that's approaching this with um, this mind to let's do what's best for all of us, they're supporting this bill. 
those who are out on the edges are kind of coming from this winner-take-all perspective. Mm-hmm. And so it can be done. And yeah. we're hoping we can get this bill through Congress this year. And Senator Hatch is championing uh, the bill in the Senate. If we can, it's it's going to be a wonderful template of, of good work, of bringing people together from all different sides, of, of, of broad consensus. And it would be um, more conservation than the United States has done in the last eight years combined. Um, it would be an amazing bill uh, for many, many uh, angles. Mm-hmm. But we've got to get it across the finish line, and it won't surprise you to know that there are those up on the hillside you know, taking shots at us from a distance. Saying, so why, why is it? taken this long to get this far? These are hard questions. You, I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking about people's livelihoods and taking those livelihoods away. You know, part of the dialogue is, do we close roads? Well, you talk to somebody who's who's gone down there on their four-wheeler for, for decades and say, we're going to close that road. And you, you better believe they have a strong opinion mm-hmm. about that. Or somebody that's been able to graze their cattle in a certain area and say, no, nope, it's, it's taking that off the table. They have very, very strong opinions. And of course, on the conservation side, um, they they just hate to see this land, you know, not kept in its pristine state. And or so, bring to death. As I yeah, say. I love it to yeah, death. Yeah, and so bringing these groups together takes a lot of bridge building. It takes a lot of consensus. I mentioned to you we were off air, but I said, you know, my staff spends about half their time on public lands issues, mm-hmm. and they're just hard. Which makes sense because so much of your district is public is lands, public yeah. lands. <laughs> or people who are who either are impacted by the public yeah. lands. So they're, I mean, when they created. Grand Staircase, it was a, a situation where a lot of people's livelihoods were impacted. So some of those people left, but it also created other industries. Yeah. Or others. I sat through some of those hearings. And how do you, when people come in and say, I hike, I only want, I don't want motorized vehicles around, or yeah. I ride my horse and I don't want dogs around, or how do you like convince everyone that this is I mean, I don't. So, the, especially in such a partisan environment yeah. now, are, do you, are you working with a Democrat? Absolutely, it's the okay. bill. This is I'm so proud of this. The bill is co-sponsored by the ranking Democratic member of the party of, of the committee of jurisdiction. So the the, the, the Democrat who, who is? is Hannah Busa from Hawaii okay. is co-sponsoring this. She's the ranking member in the committee of jurisdiction. Okay. So it is bipartisan. The answer to your question, I know we're going to run out of time here, is. If, if people will come together with a willingness to see other people's perspectives, mm-hmm. we'll find a path forward. Mm-hmm. When you come without that willingness, then you place yourself on the outside of this dialogue. Mm-hmm. And nobody gets helped by that. And, and then the land stays in this perpetual state of uncertainty. And the land is the eventual loser. Right. And somehow you've got to find a way to, to meet that, uh, yeah. that, that need. We're having a candid conversation with Representative John Curtis of Utah's 3rd District. And we will continue on the Voices of Reason podcast right after this. And welcome back to the Voices of Reason podcast. I am Jason Lee. I am now being joined by Becky Bruce, who is a the, the uh, produ- content producer for KSL.com. And KSLnewsradio.com. I almost blew that. KSLnewsradio.com, digital content producer. Thank you. You're I, welcome. I, you know, <laughs> she's, she was my boss, and thank goodness for that, because otherwise I'd be out of, I, I would always be out of control. You and, should hear me trying to tell other people what I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a battle. I do stuff. And today we are having a candidate conversation with Representative John Curtis of Utah's 3rd uh, Congressional District. And we, uh, what, what we talked about a little bit off... Uh, off air was that uh, 
we've been having our own issues here in uh, Utah on some of, not our public lands, but just with uh, the wildfire issue. Yeah. And so, Becky, you wanted to ask a question about that. Yeah, I, I was listening to um, some comments that you made with KSL News Radio where you were talking about kind of the, the intersection between federal oversight and state oversight. And I thought what you had to say was really interesting. So I just thought it would be a good forum for you to reiterate that again with respect to fire management and response. Yeah, I got to tell you, though, before we go any further, can we acknowledge that you have a blue tongue? <laughs> and and I'm trying to answer a serious question. And you just ate a blue cupcake. And your tongue is blue. I, yeah, oh, not normally good. how I roll journalistically. It just sort of worked out oh, that way. Oh, Amy thanks. had to catch a plane. All right. And, so I'm going to really yeah. try to take your question seriously. I'm going to try to keep my face straight, too, <laughs> now. I'm sorry. Did you have a question? I've totally lost um, it if you did. Yes. Um, so we were talking about federal and state oversight right. and fire response and who should be in charge and how should we right. 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 Um, right now in Utah County, we're living this firsthand and uh, with thousands of people displaced and an amazing response from the community. I'll tell you what, um, you, your heart has to swell as you hear the stories. The, the, the best one is Red Cross feeling like they need to close down shop because nobody will come to their um, to their areas for aid because it's being rendered by neighbors. There's actually a list of homes wanting people longer uh, than the list of people wanting homes. That's fantastic. And only in Utah, right? And right. I can't wait to get back to Washington, D.C. to tell my colleagues about, you know, how we handle disasters back here. There's an amazing outpour, and I, I love the Red Cross. They do great work, but it's kind of fun to watch them struggle in an environment where we do such a good job of taking care of our own. How do we – can you talk about – I don't know if you can, but fire mitigation. I mean, we, we, we uh, in the West have a, a major issue with this. And, yes. Uh, so much of our land is open and dry, and – we have these dry lightning strikes, or sometimes they're actually human caused, but more often than not, it's just a natural occurrence. And we've become so proficient at controlling fires that we have allowed some of the undergrowth that needs that becomes fuel for the, the, the larger right. wildfires to make it so that now these fires are bigger and stronger than than we've ever been used to, and we we really uh, we lack the ability to control them. How do we mitigate that? Yeah, and let me add on to the top of that too. Before I answer your question, is you throw into that the beetle kill. Uh, that we're experiencing, and a policy um, that is changing but in the past has not allowed the removal uh, of a lot of the trees uh, in those forests, and that's exasperated the problem. Mm -hmm. And um, this fire, to be frank, is going to cause a lot of hard questions about the way we're managing forest. And I think the residents, although they've been amazingly patient down there, they're going to expect some answers um, as we get this under control about how we're managing our forest and the decisions that we're making. I feel like that's one of my roles is to be their advocate uh, in bringing those answers back to them and, and if the answers are not good answers in making the changes that we need to make. Can I uh, switch gears a little bit? Um, one of my pet uh, issues is redistricting. <clears throat> and generally speaking, because I, I'd I, rather talk about fires. No, I, about <laughs> less combustible, right? Yeah, I, speaking uh, of fires. I, it is distressing to me that, again, and you mentioned earlier about partisanship in, in D.C., particularly uh, since they uh, – the situation with, and this is around the country, it, it's, it's, you know, party by party. It's not any one uh, necessarily doing any more uh, than the other one would be if they had the opportunity, is uh, drawing these crazy districts. Sure. They don't necessarily uh, fairly represent the, uh, the constituents because each party wants to gear it so that they can, make, can main, maintain control and, and keep as much power as they can in, in, in politics. Is there anything to be done about that? 
Well, we're going to see, right? There's an uh, it's on the ballot, and, and I think we're going to let our residents weigh in on this. It will, if, if it passes, it creates a commission. It's non-binding for the state legislature, but it creates a commission. I'm going to make a prediction that one of the things, if the commission is is if it passes and it's put together, that people are going to find that this is just a little bit more difficult than it seems. And, and let me tell you what I mean by that. In Provo we had an opportunity to redistrict the school district. And so we put a map up online and we let constituents kind of draw the little maps that they want. And by the time you factor in the constraints, there are very few options that actually work. And so I think what will happen is if this does pass and if, it, if something's put together, first of all, you've got to factor in the constraints that are put on this that are mandated. So they, they have to be contiguous and things like that. And then you want to factor in goals. And, and in the past, one of the goals is been to give us all some urban and some rural in all of our districts. Now we got to decide if that's still a good goal, but that's been a goal in the past. So you put those constraints in and then you say, okay, you design a map that does this. And I think what people will find is there's not as many options as possible. And it and it's going to be hard to put together anything that's not, somebody doesn't accuse some side of, of gerrymandering. Uh, now we'll see if it gets better than what we are, then, 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 then great. And we'll see where it goes. I'm I'm a little concerned because, I mean, in a place like Utah where there are pockets of urban areas and then large swaths of, of more rural areas, I can see the difference. But if you – in some other states, in, uh, California, it's a little different because they're, they're not quite as far apart, right? So And, and you can't – Right. I, I don't know. I, I guess – I'm sure they've done their share of gerrymandering and so has Texas and those other places. But it's it's – it's a little more challenging here, I would think. It is challenging. And if, and if you acknowledge that this is a good goal for us to all have urban and rural, mm-hmm. uh, it adds to that challenge. Then you're kind of slicing up Salt Lake City and, and uh, some of the adjoining counties. And if you see, now that's not completely accurate, but they've tried to give us all some of each. And this forest fire is a good example. When I go back and fight for these issues for rural Utah, I'm going to have three other congressmen that get it and understand these rural issues. And economic development's a big deal right now in rural. And I've got three congressmen that share that with me. And so it does help represent them. So there, there certainly are some positives, at least yes. in, in theory. Yes. So s- somehow we have to take the hu- human element and get the people uh, that uh, create these boundaries to, to, to do the best we can. Way. That's right. Yeah. We're having a candidate conversation with Representative John Curtis. You're listening to the Voices of Reason podcast. And welcome back to the Voices of Reason podcast. We're having a candidate conversation with Representative John Curtis of Utah's 3rd District. And on, in this segment, we want to find out a little bit more about you, Representative Curtis. So I, uh, we, we've talked a fair amount about policy. But I, I want to start off by asking you, you know, <clears throat> you've been in politics for a little while now. Had you had a, a growing up, did you have a role model or, or, or a mentor uh, uh, that helped kind of guide you in your professional career? Wow. I tell you, uh, both my parents were very instrumental in that. Uh, my father uh, was an independent insurance agent. His father was an independent insurance agent. And uh, he had this unique ability to connect with people that I'm, I, I envy. And he used to try to teach me how to do that. And I, I really appreciate that. My mom, interestingly, was the first woman uh, school board president of the Granite School District. I have a great-grandmother who was the first woman president of the Salt Lake um, School District. And my wife was president of the Provo School District. So I've had some really strong women uh, in my life in politics and feel very fortunate uh, also for the business perspective as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. If you could be king or queen for a day, 
What problem would you solve tomorrow if you could? Immigration. Ooh. Yeah. Can you expand on that a little bit? You know, it's it just is such a critical thing for our nation to solve, and we're not doing it. And it's been one of my greatest disappointments in my short 10 months is that we haven't found a path forward. I, it just feels like we're so close. And there's been days when I've flown back to Washington thinking, we're going to do it. We're going to do it this week. We're going to get it done. And then we don't. And it's such a critical thing uh, for our nation uh, to get this right. What do you see as the obstacles to getting something to happen? Um, we just can't get off these polar opposites. Um, and, um, and and just to me, it's just so clear, uh, right, what's best for our country. And, and, and people um, are, are really transfixed by these deeply held and I don't you know I don't want to make light of it because these are deeply held beliefs on on the different sides of this and and we're struggling um, finding that middle ground on this what do you think in your life has been the uh, most difficult thing most, uh, most challenging thing you've had to overcome <clears throat> wow that's a good question you've got for the first time I'm I'm, I'm hedging <laughs> here I don't I don't have a good answer I um I'm going to say this, but it's not going to come across the way I want it to. But I think learning to be a father, and and the reason I'm careful with that is I don't want to imply that I haven't enjoyed being a father or anything like that. But I think that's my, you know, that's it's a hard job. That's right? a big deal, right? Yeah. I have six kids, and and um, feeling like that I I can be everything to them they need me to be. I you know I feel like we've done all right, and our kids I think would tell you we have, but um, I don't ever take that for granted. If you could have dinner with anybody, living or dead, who would you pick? I'd go to dinner with my wife. <laughs> huh? I, I really would. I, I, I enjoy um, – she, she and I are just best friends, and if I could just go off and be yeah. with anybody, I'll, you know, for a couple hours, that's who I'd pick. Wow. Uh, that's possibly the most romantic thing ever uttered on this <laughs> show. Uh-huh. I, I like that. Um, you have a favorite book? Um. I love um, – wow, let me think. Um, a favorite book. Well, if I go back to like being a kid, like, you know, uh, The Red Fern is like just stuck with me forever. And um, as as an adult, um, I'm trying to think which book has impacted me the very most. Um, I love to read. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it doesn't have to be one. I mean, you have more than one? Um, you know, I, I mean, religion aside, probably, because that's a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when I read, that's a big part of my life. I'd probably say that, um, you know, any book that I read that talks about something historical in a way that um, weaves it into my life is is a book that I really enjoy. Uh, recently read a book about North Korea and um, – and the book was titled uh, Nothing to Envy. And uh, the way it presented the history of, of North Korea and South Korea really resonated with me and, and was really able to help me understand the situation over there. So you get entertainment on one hand, right, and education on the other hand. And those are the types of books I like. I got you. Uh, we got a little lesson. I'll give you about two minutes. Why, would, why should people uh, vote for you uh, come Election Day? Yeah, very fair question really feel like in 10 months I've been able to lay down a track record that um, is worth sending me back for another two years. We've, uh, As of Tuesday, we will have put four bills through the House of Representatives that passed on clearly bipartisan uh, margins, 392 to 6, or, or all, all uh, of, of unanimous voice votes. These are important bills uh, for the state. We talked a little earlier about my public lands bills, really important legislation that our team's putting forward. 
The other thing is I think I'm learning how to connect with constituents in a way that we haven't really seen. Uh, we're averaging about 10 hall meetings a month and getting out and connecting on social media and, and other things. I think some things I learned as mayor are really helpful. And I really feel like um, constituents can have a high, very high expectations of the way they'll connect with them and represent them. Do you feel like uh, people have the faith in their legisl- their federal legislators, uh, or, or or has that kind of been diminished of late because of kind of this divisiveness we've been going through? Well, no doubt it's been diminished, and I think that's a burden on me uh, to build that back up and, and show them I can uh, represent them, they can have a voice, and they can be proud of their representative. All right, listen. Got to enjoy that. I want to thank my blue-tongued uh, colleague. <laughs> Never living that down. <laughs> Becky Bruce for, uh, for helping guys out. And Representative John Curtis, Republican uh, congressman from Utah's 3rd District, thank you very much for having this candidate conversation with us. Thank you. And I want to say, uh, for everybody else, join us again for the next episode of the Voices of Reason podcast. If you have any comments about our show, please contact us via email at voramed at gmail.com or at vorjasonl at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at ADONSports and at JasonLee1. Our show's Twitter handle is at VORpodcast, and you can check out our Facebook page, and also you can subscribe to episodes of our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or other places where you might find interesting podcasts. Be sure to review our show as well. We'd love to get your feedback, and it also helps us grow our audience. Until next time, I'm Jason Lee. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason.